Before we dive in, I want to let you know that my pediatric food allergy course, Fear to Freedom, is officially open for enrollment right now on emilynolan.com. One more thing before I jump in, I'm a mama, not a doctor. So the information provided in this podcast is for general informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment by a qualified medical professional. Any questions you may have concerning the diagnosis or treatment of a medical condition should be directed to your doctor or another qualified healthcare provider. Even if they have their allergies, right, they're still healthy in so many ways. And I think that that's really where it comes back to. It's like, okay, maybe there's a few foods you can't eat, but like your body works. There's so many things you can do and your, your life is still a gift. Mino Lele is author of the book, The Baby in the Biome. As a food allergy and asthma parent, she's committed to bringing an end to the immune diseases that plague 80 million Americans. Mino has designed, run, and published multiple large clinical studies across orthopedics, vascular medicine, and allergy. She has an engineering and business degree from the University of Pennsylvania and is the founder of Lil Mixins, an allergy prevention company. Mino, I'm so happy that you're here today to talk with us about early allergen introduction. Uh, it's so good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. It's uh, pretty fortu- uh, fortuitous, right, that we got connected. I'm. It really is the way that we were connected. I was like, oh, I meant to know this person. Tell me all about early introduction. What is it? How do we do it? You know, I've talked about this before in other places, but early introduction is is one of my Words matter, and it's one of my least favorite phrases because I say this all the time, right? But you only get introduced to somebody once, and that is not what early allergen introduction is. It's about regularly getting it into a baby's diet, right? So it's really about tolerance training, and I wish that they had called it that. I think they were trying not to like over-medicalize it or something, but really what we're trying to do is train a baby's immune system to tolerate certain proteins and basically ignore them the way, you know, the immune system should. Your immune system actually fires no matter what you eat. If you eat, if you drink water, if you drink, you know, anything, because there could always be pathogens in anything. And what we're trying to do is get the immune system to say, hey, you know, eggs, great, that's food, leave it alone. And the way we do that is as soon as the baby starts solid, which is four months old, we're supposed to regularly, so that's every single week, make sure they're, they're eating about two to four grams. Just recently, a paper came out that showed for higher risk infants, four grams of peanut was needed to sort of prevent or reduce the risk of the allergy. So every week, you're eating two to four grams of the protein. And you know, in, a, in an infant, say, for appropriate form, they're doing that all the way through the first birthday. And the reason for this early allergen introduction tolerance training Again, I've used this analogy before, maybe uh, maybe when we were talking earlier, it's like, I like to think of it as like putting up baby gates, which you do before the baby starts crawling and you don't take them down until after the baby has learned to crawl, right? And it's, you're trying to cover the whole window in which that the baby's body is making decisions about how to do things uh, so that the baby's body is like, got it, these are safe foods. I mean, even as a food allergy mom who knows this stuff, you're, I love what you're saying, and it also blows my mind, too. The way that you simplify a complex idea, and yeah, it's it's really fascinating. I love the baby gate, and 
your product, Lil Mixins, this isn't a sponsored podcast. This is not a plug for the product. It does the same thing, essentially. It is the baby gate. So can you tell us a little bit about that product? Again, it's not a sponsored post. This is just, um, it's important for moms who even don't have children who are diagnosed with food allergies, especially, right, to understand what this product does, why it's important. And sure, they can do it with natural peanut butter and whatever too, but this makes it simple and gives them the guardrail. So let's hear more about it because I'm curious. Yeah. So really the way the product was started was exactly that, right? Like I'm a sort of crunchy parent and my older son developed all these allergies as as you know, before the, the science came out, before this like discovery. And so with my younger son, we were trying to prevent allergies in him. And and again, being like, again, you know, I just have to be a bit type A about everything in life unnecessarily is, you know, I was like, definitely real food, gonna do that. And it's just really hard. And the thing is like you especially when the baby's little, I think the biggest thing about, you know, using a supplement like early uh, like little mixins is that it really adds comfort for a parent to get started early, like in that four to six month time period. Because when you look at the peanut butter and you have this tiny baby, you're like, oh, okay, like nine months, 10 months, that's maybe when I feel real comfortable giving them, you know, scrambled eggs or a, a hard boiled egg or something, but that's, you miss that window, you know? And so what early, what, what little mixins does is make sure it's in a totally swallowable, you know, you can mix it into anything form factor, and it already pre-proportions it for you. So you know, you've given two grams of protein. Otherwise, you know, you're looking at a walnut and you're like, I don't know how many grams are in this walnut, you know, protein specifically. And so it gets everybody onto a system and started early. And that's really what it's about. But we are really big advocates of real food and real food diets, because the last thing I would ever want to do is set a baby up in this world where they think food comes out of packets or a parent thinks child food comes out of packets, right? Food comes out of the ground. It comes off trees. It comes from animals and the, from the ocean, right? That's what food is. What we're trying to do is just bridge this time frame, and we tell our customers that when your baby is ready to start regularly eating peanut butter safely with no problem, they can eat like a tablespoon of peanut butter and they can eat those hard-boiled eggs and stuff it's great to switch over to that. And then maybe people use little mixins almost as like a, the, the weeks I'm busy, you know, uh, maybe they do hard boiled eggs and then sometimes they don't have time for that. And so then they switch, you know, they use the packets or something like that. And it becomes a really nice compliment the same way, you know, again, I try to eat real food, but that doesn't mean I never eat a protein bar. Absolutely. It, it could be something you put into their smoothie or their applesauce or whatever it is. So f- for the listener who doesn't know what the product is, what's what are the ingredients? Oh, so we, we cover all the major foods that you really need to, it seems like you really need to train tolerance to. So they're concentrated proteins that are made in a baby safe like powder. So the, the key things again are making sure it's the right amount, it's baby safe and the child can't choke on it. There's no prep required for the parent. And so it can blend into food. And we cover, you know, peanuts, eggs, uh, walnuts, almonds, hazelnuts, cashews, soy, sesame. So sort of your biggest ones. And we don't cover very specifically uh, milk because that's in formula. And babies are really routinely eating yogurt already. So that seems like, you know, that's something a parent shouldn't have to buy twice. That is so fascinating to me. I love this product. I wish that I had had it early on. And I wish that the program that I had subscribed to was baby led weaning right? I was following that intensely, like type A intense, right? And I I hired, you know, the top 
feeding coaches and I, you know, made sure my husband never put a spoon in my son's mouth. He's four months old. He knows. It. No, I, I didn't introduce food until I think it was five, five or six months, six, something like that. And I think it was six months strictly breastfeeding. And then, then you can start to introduce foods. Well, six months is already like too late for children who are even yeah, and I didn't even know my son was higher risk. He barely had eczema and we thought it was baby acne or, you know, the pediatrician ever mentioned anything and or even asked questions. Does your family have a history of allergies? And even if he had asked those questions, I'm not quite sure we would have known the answer because we never had life-threatening allergies. I had asthma as a kid. My husband's eyes water around cats. His parents remember giving him allergy shots, but didn't know much about it. You know, so it's like, we don't know these things. Well, some people do. Yes, it's it's true. I, I really wish we would just, and which is interestingly what the, the allergy associations, the two big allergy associations, they quickly realize like, look, everyone's terrible at diagnosing eczema. It's actually kind of hard and a tricky disease and it comes and goes. And so you could have, a baby could have like, what would we would consider eczema, but the day they go to the pediatrician, their skin looks better or, you know what I mean? And so you get these kind of false positives, false negatives on it. And so honestly, the right way to think of it is if you're, if you ever even have a question about it, just assume your kid's high risk because the only thing you're doing is adding some of these proteins in like a month earlier. And there's no downside to that. You know, there, there's nothing can happen. Like it's, it's not going to in any way hurt the kid to do that. It's just one more month of work to the parent, if you will. You know, so I, I would say it's in my opinion, I guess, maybe because I'm on the other side with a kid with all these diseases is biased towards being a little, you know, uh, assuming you have a slightly higher risk than you do because you're better off for it in the long run. Agreed. I 100% agree with you. And I bring up baby led weaning because the method is touching food. If you're not familiar as a listener, you touch the baby, feeds themselves. And on another podcast episode, I've mentioned that one of my girlfriends actually saw an Instagram video of me being so proud that my son is feeding himself all of these foods. Well, he picked up maybe a hard boiled egg and he was eating it. And she had seen this rash of hives going down his forearms, both arms. And I thought, oh, this is just normal. He has sensitive skin, you know, and she's writing me. She had two children before me and said, Emily, something isn't right. I Children don't get rashes like that. You should look into food allergies. And I said, oh, that's such like a passive aggressive mom comment. Like, you know, when people are like, oh, your kid has food allergies, you sh you didn't give him organic food or something like, oh, you know, like, I'm like, what did that come out of like left field? Where, who are you? Isn't that a funny thing that humans do that we're just always like, we're so touchy, you know, <laughs> and especially as like new moms, like I remember there's so much stuff my mom said to me that I just like would be offended by and <laughs> I wish I had just paid attention, but sorry, you were saying. Still, I'm still offended by everything my most loving dear mother says. Like she tried to coach my son in karate yesterday and I was like, mom, that's Shihan is the coach, not you. Yes. <laughs> She's like, oh my gosh. I instill the fear of death in her. So yeah, so the baby led weaning method, there's a lot of controversy around it because food allergies are manifested oftentimes through skin contact first, right? Through like having dry skin. They develop is the right way to say that. So what happens is when you 
what they understand about this is like we have an immune system in our skin, right? It's a, one of our biggest barriers. And so that's a very active immune system and it's looking for threats. And so if you have any sort of eczema with any sort of breaks in the skin, when food gets on your skin and it penetrates the skin, then your immune system rightly is saying like, hey, that's not supposed to be here, right? Because food's supposed to get digested through our gut, broken down into pieces and then end up in our bloodstream. But if it's getting into your bloodstream right through your skin, the immune system's like, whoa, 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 what the heck is this, right? And, and so it flags it as a threat. And, and that's the mistake, right? So that's what they're really concerned about is if you get the skin contact with the food before you're getting regular oral training, then you develop the allergy rather than learning the tolerance. And so that, that is a real downside potentially of baby led weaning. I think the other big downside is parents immediately are like, okay, because if you throw anything into a blender, then it can be fed to a kid, right? But if you're trying to figure out what the kid can reasonably grab and stuff, you start to like limit the kid's diet. And I think that's another kind of downside, in my opinion. My, for me, the biggest downside of baby led weaning was like, it was messy. And I was like, I just, I don't need another thing to clean up right now. <laughs> but, but there's also a lot of good things to baby led weaning. It really does help with, I do believe it probably helps a lot with, you know, sort of their hand-eye coordination and, and you know, skills and their finger strength and things like that. So Look, life is all about trade-offs. So matter of fact. Yes. So talk to me about the myths of early, well, tolerance training, right? Like, but talk to me about the myths because you touched upon it with baby led weaning. One of the downsides is that you are introducing things, either they're spaced apart because you follow a calendar of like, don't introduce any allergen, like let's introduce peanut today. And then in three to seven days, you'll introduce almond and then three to seven days. And this is what I did. You'll introduce egg or you pick whatever allergen you want to introduce, but that way you know what your child is allergic to if they are allergic. Well, it ended up that peanut was something I introduced when Ollie was almost seven and a half months, right? And that's really late to start for a child that is possibly allergic. Talk to me about some of these myths so that mothers or parents who are introducing food to their child can either prevent food allergies from the get-go or are like right at that time of like, oh my gosh, I got to start introducing everything else. Even if they their child has been diagnosed with a food allergy like and are afraid to introduce any more allergens. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So you touched on the biggest myth, I think, is the spacing things out every three days. Honestly, you can, you know, just at least one food a day, you can do, you probably do multiple foods in the same day because, you know, allergies show up within minutes or worst case hours. You could do one new food at breakfast, another new food at lunch, another new food at dinner. And that's totally fine. Like, you know, and, and you'd, you'd figure out what's going on. And then once something's like on the yes list, just like keep throwing it in there regularly. I think, you know, some of the other myths is that there's this, there's this, the other big myth, I think, and which it seems to be going away though, is there used to be a lot of fear because I, I think, again, people thought food allergies were genetic. So what they thought they were doing is like finding out if the kid was allergic, you know, and they didn't want to do that when the baby was little. And interestingly though, right, I think this is a helpful myth that, you know, a baby's immune system is weaker the younger they are, right? That's why we get so worried about babies with colds, like little babies with colds is they have a weak immune system, but that's the best time to introduce these allergens because they're not going to have a massive reaction, 
right? They're going to have, maybe they get the highs on their skin, but that's all that's going to happen. And they actually studied this. They looked at all the kids that had allergic reactions and under age one, like 99% of the time, the only thing that was happening was hives and or vomiting. And again, I'm not saying don't treat that as an allergy. I'm saying, you know, if people are worried their kid's going to pass out, that sort of stuff doesn't happen until age three and older. And so really, it's actually the safest time to introduce, you know, allergens earlier. And the last big myth is, this is like, you know, confusion because, we say breast milk exclusively till six months, right? And what they really, where that came from, and we've seen this a lot over the last couple of years is trying to oversimplify healthcare knowledge because like really for the edge cases. But what they were scared of was parents, you know, introducing foods so early that they stopped the formula or they stopped the breastfeeding, right? But if you continue breastfeeding or if as long as you continue breastfeeding, as long as you continue giving formula, whichever one you're on through age one, you can start foods basically at any. The, the goal of that, that whole recommendation was to make sure that the, sort, that the baby was getting enough nutrition because all of their vitamins and stuff are coming from the breast milk or formula. And we don't want to limit that, right? We don't want to swap out those things for food, but we can add food anytime, basically. As soon as the baby can tolerate it, you know, they have the next strength they can eat. And just as long, again, as long as you're not using that as a replacement for breastfeeding or formula, right? <clears throat> and that was really the big concern. So that created a weirdly, like so much confusion for people because everyone's like, okay, got it, six months, nothing, you know, and I did that too, you know? <laughs> and then I stopped and I actually like asked the doctors, I was like, what's the deal with this? They were like, oh, well, the issue was that a lot of lower income families were, you know, were, were trying to save money. And so they were switching, switching to food. And I was like, okay, but then that's like for 90 something percent of us, we're not doing that. So why did you make these like, you know, rules we have to follow for no reason that actually created more confusion for, you know, 90% of us. But again, I, I, I understand how health communication is really difficult. <laughs> so. so difficult. And also finding the right doctor. I mean, I'm so glad that you found a pediatrician who could have that conversation with you because... I have had many a pediatrician who did not know how to complete that conversation appropriately and with co with confidence. I don't think a lot of doctors like having these conversations with me, though, if I'm honest, because like when they say, you know, it's because it's six months, I'm like, well, I look, here's this paper, you know, and I'm like, well, so-and-so in 2017 cited that blah, blah, blah. And so what are your thoughts on that? And they're like, ah, okay. I, I do confess, I actually was speaking with my husband yesterday about you, and I was saying how I am, I envy my friends who are nerdy, because I wish that I was nerdy, but I'm not. I'm like a socialite kind of butterfly, and um, and I have nerdy friends. And that I say that in like all respect and love, because I, I to me, like being like the one that brings research papers and is super intelligent with all of the science and research, which I have because I'm in the field, but you know, you are just next level. And I just so admire that about you. Grass is always greener here. <laughs> I, will, I, do, I assure you, most people would like you to show up to their party rather than me. So. No, no, uh. you're, you're fascinating. You are the fascinating <laughs> uh, person to chat with. All right. Well, let's, let's compare Google Calendar, social calendars. <laughs> but all right. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, oh, so that's why that's why we make a good match. So speaking of nutritional absorption, talk to me about The Baby and the Biome, your new book. Yeah. So look, I, I, when my kid got sick, right, I got so upset and I, I, I need the world to make sense. I, I like just desperately need the world to make sense. And so I was just like, the, 
I don't understand what happened. We did all the right things. We followed the rules. Like, and then I, you know, as I said, they found out the food allergies were preventable. And the other big thing is I was like, how could they have been so wrong? Like 180 degrees wrong, right? How is that possible? Like where, you know, and so I just, went down, uh, uh, you know, kind of a rabbit hole. And I know that that in the last few years, especially that has had some terrible consequences for people. But I suppose if you stay in PubMed and the allergy journals and stuff like that, that rabbit hole at least has a bottom. And, you know, so I just started, I started researching and, and pulling all this literature and I was, and anyway, so I started talking to a lot of doctors and just cold calling people being like, Hey, you know, you wrote this paper and I'm trying to understand X, you know, and again, if you come to them with like a, specific question, not just like, I want to chit chat with you, but like, how did you get to this conclusion from this place? You know, a lot of people will really, you know, engage with you. A lot of people love if you are interested in the research. And so the baby in the biome really came out. I had this like stack of research and all these notes. And one of my best friends was like, well, it's all useless in this stack, right? Like that's cool, but nobody else knows this. And she said, one of the things you have is that you're a good communicator. Like, why don't you get this out into the world? And thankfully, like I already had it sort of you know, written in notes. And then so I turned this into this book that tells you a little bit about my story and what happened with my son. So hopefully provide the context, but then, you know, really walk you through the science of like, what went wrong? What do we understand now? And what does that mean you can do differently? Yeah. Yeah. What can you do differently? What are, what are some of the tips? Yeah. So, so, you know, a lot of it starts from just really this, it was, I think the biggest thing was a, a switch in understanding or, or a starting to understand where were these diseases coming from. Right. And I think it's once you understand that it's, it's the immune system malfunctioning, it leads to the obvious question. Well, why is it malfunctioning? Like what caused it to malfunction? Clearly it's been working great for generations. Right. And so then, then you start to see, okay, well, there's certain things in our environment, like specific detergents, a lot of, you know, chemicals and other things that we, we, ingest or come in contact with that are throwing this immune system off. And the other big piece is that we think of the immune system as these like, you know, complicated cells that are like an alphabet soup, you know, and we have these different antibodies and whatever, but that's not your immune system, right? I mean, it is, sorry, but a large part of your immune system is literally just your skin, the lining of your gut, like the things that physically keep stuff outside of your body, outside of your bloodstream, that is actually your immune system. And we need to protect those barriers. And that was a really big shift in thinking, I think, among doctors, this whole barrier hypothesis that if we protect our skin, and that means protecting the bacteria, the healthy bacteria that live on our skin, they're part of that barrier. It, they're not like, in, uh, or just like, uh, just there by chance, you know, they're, they're, they're part of the system. And so we have to protect this, these microbes, which means, again, not, no harsh chemicals, no overwashing with harsh soaps. Don't strip your skin of all of its natural oils constantly. In the, in the gut, that means breastfeeding if you can, you know, formula feeding, but eating a really healthy diet. So that's really where it comes into the fact that a, a junk food diet has real consequences because high fiber, fruits and vegetables, lean proteins, those feed the bacteria that literally make up the bricks, if you will, of your gut barrier. And without those bacteria, anybody can walk in off the street, right? And reasonably, your immune system gets very upset about that. <laughs> and so that's how we end up with all these diseases. I talk about that in the pediatric food allergy course, uh, Fear to Freedom. And, you know, it is such a challenge and also very convenient being a modern parent, right? We live in a world where when it's your child's birthday at school, everyone brings in cupcakes. And then, you know, even this morning, Oliver 
didn't want to go to school and he took his immunotherapy treatment and ate his peanuts and, you know, had already had his breakfast. So I'm like, okay, he's had his fiber and fat and protein. And I was like, here's some organic gummy bears. Like, just get in the car and go. I got to, I got to get in the car. So look, like I'm not immune to being a modern mom either, but it is a challenge because we have that crutch always available. Right. And so we, it's, we're never going to beat it or outrun it, right? Unless you live in like, what is it? It's like uh, Topanga, California or somewhere like where everyone, right? Exa- exactly. My point exactly. It's uh, everyone's in like the, the ashram doing like meditation and like feeding organic foods. I don't know. So anyway, kudos to Topanga. I mean, that sounds amazing. That's really where making your home a healthy health haven is so important, right? And so, uh, look, this is there's so many self control books out there, right? And self help books, and the same logic applies to everything. Which is, you know, they say like if you have a hard time going to the to workout, like sleep in your workout clothes, like reduce the barriers for yourself, like the things you have to actively choose to do. Just don't make them choices, and then it's easier to just like default into good behaviors. And that's the biggest thing with food is like we just I just don't go down the aisles with packaged foods. I just like pretend they don't exist. And then inside my home, I don't go out to eat. So then we're like, you know, every day at lunch, I'm like, oh, what am I going to eat? You know, and my only choices are fruits and vegetables left in the house. And I'm like, I guess that's what I'm eating today. You know, if I don't have to actively make the choice to avoid junk food, then it's not, you know, it's not hard anymore because it's not a choice. And I think that's the biggest thing with your house that a parent can do is just get that stuff out of there. Just don't buy it. And then, and then when you're home, like your kid, they're going to open the cabinet, but then they can't scream, like, give me the chips. If there aren't chips, (laughs) you know, eventually they're like, can I have carrots? And you're like, yes. There you go. Exactly. It's true. We actually have the gummies in our house right now simply because Ollie's birthday is coming up and I wanted something for a pinata. And so my husband found the box and opened them himself thinking they were like treats that I had actually bought for the house. <laughs> Don't you know who you're married to? Like <laughs> These are for Ollie's pinata. Uh, yeah. But anyway. Did you see that at that come? It was like a, a meme that went around where like, and not to bring into a whole other conversation, but like uh, this like woman looks at a peach and she's like, I'll save that for my kid. And then like the husband looks at the peach and he's like, that's going to be delicious. You know? And I have this hilarious story of when we decided, we realized that my my son was probably really reacting to wheat. And so it took me like weeks to convince him, like, we're going to stop eating all this foods. We're going to get this out of our house. And he was on board. We're like, okay, Sunday morning, this starts, right? And he's like, okay. And we get, finally convince him. And then Sunday morning, my husband, he's like at the, the table and he's like, yes, literally, he's looking at his phone. He's like, yes, the new donut shop is open. <laughs> and I looked at him like, I, I will cut you. And, <laughs> and he, it was one of the funniest like moments of our marriage when he was like, and by donut, I meant <laughs> apple slices with... <laughs> Sun butter. And my sons were like, Oh, is that a donut? And he's like, Yes, definitely. And now it's a going thing in our house. They ask for apple donuts in the mornings on weekends. It's like continued. It was like one of the best saves ever. Your poor children. They're gonna go to school and kids are actually they're gonna have like bring apples yeah. out and they're like, Your your mom packed donuts? <laughs> you poor child. Do we do we tell them? 
<laughs> no, they they know. They just they think that there's a difference between like store donuts and like oh, I, I don't know whatever he convinced them like apple donuts or something or I don't know. It was hilarious. We are we're getting off course here, but I'm yeah, curious. No, I'm curious though. Like, what do you do for birthdays at your kids' schools? You know, we we don't actually. We uh, really go old school. Actually, in our school district, they ban treats at birthday parties for this reason. They say like you can't. You're not allowed to send in junk food, and and also for the out public school. And it's partially for allergies too, I bet. But so you're allowed to celebrate with like little games or, you know, like people give out little baggies of like erasers and stuff like that, but you're not supposed to bring in treats. So it solves that problem. That's a good idea. Uh, Ollie used to, he actually never went to the school because we had to leave Miami pretty quickly when he had anaphylaxis to all the pollens and whatnot. But the school had a rule that was fruit only and you could celebrate with fruit. And the irony is there are people with fruit allergies. So apple allergies, pineapple, banana, things like that, you know, we're seeing. And yeah, so you can't win. I love Seed's PDS08 Pediatric Daily Symbiotic. And you probably already know that if you're following me on social media. I mix it with my son's daily multivitamin every morning in a beautiful espresso cup when I can to show him that self-care is a beautiful daily ritual. Also, because it contains the dual phase prebiotic made of short and long chain carbohydrates, it does take an extra moment to dissolve. This easy to use and sustainably packaged symbiotic, meaning it's a two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic powder is formulated for benefits in and beyond the gut. It's the first children's symbiotic with nine probiotic strains clinically studied in a pediatric population for benefits across digestive, respiratory, and dermatological health. The pediatric daily symbiotic also supports easy, frequent poops, which happens to be my son's favorite topic. PDS08 even bridges the fiber gap with five grams of fiber per serving. It's a meaningful complement to a healthy diet. Also, it's reassuring to know that the product is free from sugar, artificial colors, flavors, flow agents, binders, preservatives, and if you're listening to this podcast, and likely most important to you, free of 14 classes of allergens. Seed is offering my listeners a 20% code towards your first month. Just head to seed.com backslash Emily Nolan and use the code EMILYN20 to get 20% off your first month today. What's on deck for you? What are you interested in? What are you working on? I know you've got a lot behind the scenes that many of us are curious about. Sure. You know, there's there's a lot behind the scenes that I, I you know, I could talk about when it's ready, but I, I think I'm just realizing more and more, and, and maybe maybe we all become convinced of our, our own intelligence. So, you know, just slap me if you feel like I'm getting that aligned. But, um, you know, I'm just seeing more and more how, like, we really need to rethink so much of the way we think about illness and disease. And in, in, in the book, The Baby in the Biome, I start talking about this, the fact that 50% of children born today will get to college with a chronic illness and chronic immune disease. And I, that is not a made up statistic. That is, and not just like me projecting like that, those are real numbers. And, you know, immune diseases are self diseases, which is our body turning on ourselves, which is actually what cancer is too, right? And imagine if we were just like, oh, 50% of kids hit college with cancer of some kind. That's not a big deal, 
right? We wouldn't do that, but that's really where we are. And, and the challenge for all of us is our bodies are turning on ourselves and we are so much more likely because we've, we've made our lives so much safer that we're actually unlikely to break a bone or unlikely to have a bad viral illness or anything like that. So, but all of medicine is based around that, right? Is treating this outside threat that gets you. But most of us are actually going to get really sick and then be sick for the rest of our lives from our, our bodies turning on themselves. And so we really need to rethink the way we serve up medicine, the way we think about health, because we're so used to thinking about it as like, I'm just going to go about my day and like hope the bad thing doesn't happen. But we really need to do a, a mindset shift to say like, I need to prevent the bad thing from happening, that it's all in my control. And I think that's, you know, so there's, there's, there's a lot of like advocacy work that has to be done there. And I, and I hope just, you know, again, talking to more people and educating them and helping people see that they have a lot more control, not, not perfect control. We can't fix everything in our lives, but we have a lot more control than we think we do. Absolutely. That's a huge mindset shift for me as well. And I constantly am thinking, you know, is this action that I'm doing, whether it's drinking too much coffee or, you know, yeah, right. Like even as little as that, right. Or I don't know, skipping, skipping physical exercise for a week and a half because I'm, I'm have meetings lined up and, you know, I've done a lot of walking, but I could do strength exercising and, you know, that's good for me, not just like for aesthetic and appearance, but also for my body. So, you know, I'm constantly wondering, and thinking about that. But one of the things that's helped me, and I'm a very spiritual person, is to think like, and you know, not this isn't for everyone, right? But like, what I, I think about my purpose, and you know, this vehicle, this body that I've been given, and how I can treat it, and it becomes kind of like a holy thing for me. Like, how can I honor this body that God's given me? Be grateful for it. As if it's like almost impersonal and not my own, but like something to care give for, right? And and so I've kind of seen it like that, like uh, another assignment or another thing that I'm caregiving for. And instead of being reaction focused and waiting for something to pop up, it's like, okay, yeah, there are like a few things here, but I'm doing great. You know, like you're doing great. You know, you have the power to make these choices. How do you feel right now? Constant check-ins. So yeah. And I think like to tie it all back in, like, especially as mothers of children with food allergies, you know, that is our job for our children, right? Like we have to be brave enough and courageous enough to feed our children, to understand some of like things that we didn't necessarily think we would ever have to go down rabbit holes understanding the microbiome and how to, you know, protect our children's gut. But we're being sold so much stuff, whether it's packaged foods and, you know, convenience, right? And yeah, there's a place for it. And yeah, you know, we can have our home as a health haven and we can do that stuff. Um, and it's hard. It is not easy to be brave enough to make those decisions, those little tiny decisions that you know over time are going to make all of the difference. But I, I think you're you're absolutely right, and it's it's about seeing the opportunity you have as a gift, you know. And I think uh, like one of my coaches, uh, you know, I just go to a, a gym like here in, in Philly, but which I really love. But you know, one of the coaches was saying one day about how like we get to the gym, and we're like, oh man, like. 
this workout looks so hard. Oh, it's going to be brutal. Like, do I have to go? And she's like, what a gift that you have the physical capability to be here, that you have the time in your day to be here. Like, this isn't a burden. It's a gift. And I think that that's, that's really, you're, you're right, that I, I see it the same way too, is that every chance to be, do the right thing is an opportunity. And it's, it's like, if you live somewhere beautiful, you know, you forget to appreciate the fact that you get to take a walk and see beautiful sunsets or whatever, you know, it's so easy to forget that, but it's a gift that you have and you can, and you can make the, you know, you can really make the, the most of it. So even for, our sons, even if they have their allergies, right, they're, they're still healthy in so many ways. And and I think that that's really where it comes back to. It's like, okay, you know, you, maybe there's a few foods you can't eat, but like your body works. Like it, there's so many things you can do and your, your life is still a gift. So, you know, use it. Right. And one thing that Dr. Ruchi Gupta said in her book was, you know, even when your child does have food allergies and a, an allergic response, you can also see that as, hey, your body's working, right? Your immune system is actually working. So yes, this is unfortunate and scary, but it's working, right? So right. there's mm-hmm. always that like positive psychology that I like to weave in. Meenal, how can people find your book? How can they reach out to you if they have questions? Yeah, so uh, the book, you can get you know, anywhere books are sold, your books a million, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, that kind of thing. It's sold everywhere. And our website, lilmixins.com, it's L-I-L-M-I-X-I-N-S.com. You know, we're pretty active on Instagram is probably the only like, it's the social we use. And, you know, funny enough, like still all the questions and stuff that come into our uh, are, you know, if you email hello at Lil Mixins and ask questions, like they still get forwarded to me mostly. So I do actually answer them. And especially if it's a parent asking like a question about what, what's, what do they do with their family? And I, because I've been there and I know what it feels like. And I actually do take the time to personally answer almost all those emails. I can attest to that. I emailed you, I think it was last week about environmental allergies and uh, what your take is on that and your stance, which we could probably dive into that in a whole nother sure. podcast. I would love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, if you're listening, you are listening. We would love to hear your feedback on this episode and hear what you liked about it and um, share it with anybody who you think it could benefit, whether their child is not allergic to foods or the environment yet or are. It's helpful to have this information And uh, we just appreciate you rating and reviewing the episode and letting us know what you thought. Meenal, thank you so much. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. uh, Yeah, this is a a really fun chat. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk here too. Thanks. (laughs) We're we're increasing your social circle by thousands of people listening. Everyone (laughs) go follow Meenal and write her on social media. (laughs) Invite her to play dates and parties. Now now I sound like such a loser. (laughs) Don't don't bring the peanuts. (laughs) Are you ready for some rapid fire? Yes, I believe so. I try to practice and then I, I know I'm going to. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Book or podcast? Book. What book are you reading? Sci-fi. I read a lot of sci-fi and so I'm just going to pick up again the Culture Series by Ian Banks. One thing you can't live without? Uh, now my recent thing is, uh, uh, ear, what do you call it? Like earplugs for sleeping. Very sexy. Something not many people know about you. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say about this. Oh, I remember that I was in a sorority, Chi Omega. A lot of people don't believe that. A challenge you never thought you'd have to overcome? 
the the challenge of convincing doctors of stuff that they should have told me. Wow. Biggest challenge right now? It's it's that one. It's honestly, it's been going around to pediatricians and and talking to a lot of them about implementing their own guidelines. And what is something you're looking forward to? I'm actually really looking forward to the holiday season. It's like, you know, uh, that that rapid fire of all the of all the family gatherings. This is my favorite time of year. It is so lovely. It is so fun. And I think being up north, we moved from Miami to DC. It's so much more spirited and festive. Oh, is it? That's interesting. I mean, I, I've only ever lived up in uh, on the East Coast here in the Northeast. So but yeah, like all my family's pretty close. We actually do get to see each other quite a bit. That's lovely. That's lovely. Yeah. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much, me and all. This is such a wonderful conversation. And I learn always so much from you. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening today. If you're not ready to get started with Fear to Freedom, my pediatric food allergy course, I do have a pediatric food allergy essentials resource with a ton, I mean a ton of incredible resources to get you started on your food allergy journey and healing your child with food allergies. You can download that right now on emilynolan.com and get started. If there's anything in this episode that resonated with you or led you to take action, I'd love for you to share it with me on social as well as any other friends and family that have children with food allergies or newborn children who may not have food allergies, but you know, may have the possibility to prevent it with this information. Remember to rate and review this podcast. It's a great way to give other parents of food allergy children some much needed hope and encouragement. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. I am so so grateful for all of your voices and support and love. And I'm just sending you all a great big hug. Mm-hmm.